104.5 The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now... Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Welcome into Squared Circle Radio on 104.5 The Zone. Alongside David Reed, I am Brandon Haggerty. Follow the show on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. We've been live tweeting a lot of events lately because... There have been a lot of events from Double or Nothing last Saturday to Raw on Monday to SmackDown on Tuesday. And now, last night, NXT TakeOver... Oh, it's summer, and that means trips to White Sand. Thanks, Rhett. Uh, <laughs> NXT TakeOver 25. It is summer, by the way. It's pretty hot outside. Um, NXT TakeOver 25 last night in the wrestling hotbed of Connecticut. Uh, that show should have been in Atlanta. We should have been there. Yeah. Yeah. No question. But anyways, uh, Jason Martin with the weekend off. Uh, he's If you follow him on Twitter, at jmartzone, he's been living it up in California this week, doing a lot of really fun things. Uh, looked like he went to Disneyland. Uh, saw a picture of Galaxy's Edge, which is the new uh, Star Wars attraction out in Disneyland that looks really cool, sort of like a if you've ever been to the Harry Potter world at Universal down in Orlando, sort of a fully immersive experience. I'm sure that was cool. We'll get full details, full stories of what he's been up to on next week's show when he is back. But we start with the aforementioned TakeOver 25. Five matches, as is the formula for these TakeOvers. Uh, four title matches and one non-title match. And listen, we could come on here just like we do every other day after takeover and talk about how great it was because yes, this was just sort of another night of really good professional wrestling from takeover. I mean, this is exactly what NXT does on these shows. Like if there's ever, it's going to be news when there's a not good NXT takeover. Like (laughs) that's, that's just it. Like every time they go out there for 25 of these shows now, they have put on really good professional wrestling, David, and they did it again last night. Yeah, I thought it was a solid show from top to bottom. I really enjoyed the uh, tag team uh, ladder match. That thing was chaos. It was, yes, from beginning to end. And it was one of those two where there comes a point in most of those matches where you can tell who is going to, to win. Last night, I had no idea that the Street Profits were going to walk out of there with the tag titles. And the way it ended, they all, you almost didn't see the ending. <laughs> Based on the camera work, but it was it was phenomenal. I thought it was I thought it was probably the best match of the night as far as I can concerned because it kept me it kept me engaged from beginning to end. And like I said, it wasn't it wasn't that predictable match where halfway through you knew oh this is who's going to win. But uh, again, another solid performance. You like you said, it's dog bites man is not a headline. When man bites dog, it's a headline. So when they don't have a good show, that's what's going to make the news. Um, but it's. Uh, I thought coming off of uh, coming off a of double or nothing that this show would would go out there and try to tear the house down on every single match because to take some of the talk away from what we saw in Las Vegas a week ago and I think I think it was com- trying to compare the two to me is a little bit of apples and oranges but I thought it was another great I mean this is what they do <laughs> yeah. I, I would rather I would rather have that what I saw last night on a takeover. 
than anything I've seen on a Monday or Tuesday night for the past six months. And like you mentioned, it's not exactly an apples-to-apples comparison because, you know, NXT doesn't really have to worry about being a profitable enterprise. I mean, they are under the umbrella of WWE. I don't even know what their financial numbers look like. I can't imagine they're pulling some sort of huge profit. Let's be honest. But like they don't ha- they don't have to worry about answering to television uh, network executives and all of that. So it it is it is a bit of a apples to oranges comparison. But they just go out and have some of the best professional wrestling uh, that you know America has to offer right now. That's exactly what NXT is. And continuing with the AEW comparison, uh, whether or not you want to read into it or not, NXT did seem to get that shot out of the way. Uh, pretty much on the opening camera shot of the the, the three-person booth uh, with Beth Phoenix, Mauro Ronaldo, and Nigel McGinnis, Nigel calls NXT the true alternative. Come on. Like, we know who you're talking about, bro. And here, I... I don't want to see them go down this road where every and, and the, I think if with Vince McMahon backstage on Mondays and Tuesdays, I think it's going to happen a lot. But the lion doesn't concern itself with the opinion of the sheep. Look, you're still the top dog. Don't even acknowledge them. I mean that they're just getting they're getting the rub when you say something like that. So just pretend like they don't exist. Go about your business the best you can. And can we? This is a perfect time to discuss the lighting last night. I, I the lighting for that show the crowd was almost in complete darkness. The, it seemed like it got better as the night went along, though. But like that first match, like you couldn't even see, you couldn't even see from the torso up on people in the front row. Right, and I think that was done on purpose because they didn't want people out there with AEW shirts on or AEW signs or Young Buck shirts and all that stuff. If you're getting that paranoid this early over what AEW is doing. That doesn't speak a lot about your confidence in your own product. I think that was I think that was exactly what they did with the lightning last night, and even in the start of the show when they're showing the crowd, like you couldn't see them because they were in darkness. Yeah, like they're doing their normal sign shots, and it's it's a cut, it's a cut, it's cut. You couldn't see anything. I'm like, why are you even doing this? Yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily um, dislike that lighting because i don't really no i i didn't i thought it looked pretty good actually but the, but, but the you know why they were doing it, it. yeah that, and, that's what i what come across as strange to me but one of the things I, I do remember in the main event at one point gargano and uh adam cole they had a bit of a crowd shot and i could actually see like the first four or five rows whereas in the first match like i said you couldn't even see from the torso up on the first person in the first row um Getting back into the wrestling, though, I want to I want to continue on that ladder match because that was one of the matches when Jason and I broke that card down last week on this show and sort of gave our predictions. I did predict the Street Profits, but it wasn't I wasn't confident in it. I think he uh, he he predicted uh, Birch and Lorcan. That was one of those matches. By far, the undisputed era was the biggest stars in that match, but you knew they weren't going to win. That was what, like that. That's what made that thing interesting to me because you had these other three teams that had. Lorcan and Birch had been on a couple of takeovers. I think they they had a, a a match against the Undisputed Era last year in Chicago, but the Forgotten Sons and the Street Profits had never been on a takeover before, and so that kind of excited me a little bit because the NXT Tag Division since. 
DIY broke up, since the revival got called up, since AOP got called up and then immediately went into wherever they're at now. It seems like outside of a couple of teams, you know, the War Raiders were there for a while. Now they're called up. Like The depth of the tag division just wasn't there on these takeovers. And now that you're starting to see some more teams down there featured, I think it's going to be a good thing for that tag division. I think it was absolutely the right call to have the Street Profits win last night. Yeah, and and that that match showed what the tag division can be with those guys. And I thought it was, I mean, the the Undisputed Era did, O'Reilly and Fish did a phenomenal job putting a lot of those guys over last night. They took the brunt of the punishment for the majority of those matches, in, in, in particular Kyle O'Reilly. I guess Bobby Fish left there injured last yeah, he, night as well. During the celebration uh, that we'll get to with Adam Cole at the end of the night, he was in a pretty substantial sling. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate if he's if he's really hurt again. When they threw him into the, the post late in that match, and then a little later on he goes through the ropes and lands on that same shoulder on a ladder outside, I thought uh, I thought it looked awkward, but he, he continued on in the match. And every time the the refs would come over there to check on him, he he said he was good, but uh, that'd be unfortunate if he's injured again. But I I I loved that match last night. I thought it was I thought that was the best match of the night, and it showed the talent that's down there in that tag division just waiting to just waiting for their opportunity. I mean, I didn't think there was a I don't think there was a bad showing for anyone in that match, and I loved I loved the fact that uh, it took all the men to to take down Jackson Riker, which I still have a hard time calling him that because like, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue yeah and especially because jackson is spelled with an x yeah, yeah. like he's jacks from the mortal Kombat yeah. franchise i i wasn't actually a big fan of that part because like when did jackson Riker turn into the undertaker yeah this man I, came out there and just started destroying you know six other men and no selling everything. Yeah, I like maybe I've, I'm I'm biased because I like Chad uh, as a person. He's also one of my beard heroes. Yeah. Uh, so it's I was. Good beard. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great beard. Uh, but I still have a hard time seeing Jackson Riker. Just yeah. does not roll off the tongue that but well. The Street Profits are are an act that that have gotten over on NXT television. Maybe more so about six months ago mm-hmm. uh, when they were first sort of debuting on NXT television. That's a really fun act. It gets the crowd involved. But they actually uh, did a stint in Evolve recently. And because NXT has a bit of a partnership with Evolve where you'll see some of their stars go over there and work. Well, the Street Profits were actually Evolve tag champions for a while recently. And a lot of people that I saw on Twitter that are following independent wrestling more closely than we are say that that run where they got to be Evolve tag team champions and work with a bunch of talented dudes sort of prepared them for this moment. Mm-hmm. And Montez Ford, I'm here to tell you. It's unbelievable. That dude That dude is a tiger being held by the toe yeah. right now because that guy is going to be a star in the future. Like we can we can debate what we think about Angelo Dawkins. And I was having a conversation with a friend last night who said that Angelo cannot stand Angelo Dawkins. <laughs> You know, Angelo's been one of those guys that's been in NXT forever. Yeah. Like, he was one of those guys that was getting thrown into random tag teams back when Sami Zayn was in NXT. This dude has been here from the very beginning uh, of NXT. It's good to see him actually find something that works, but I think it works because of Montez Ford. Yeah, it does. It, that, but that, that was a good I don't remember who it was on, but the spear late in the match there that 
led to to Ford, you know, jumping on the ladder thing. I don't remember who that was. That was a, that was the best spear that I may have ever seen in my entire life. I like, can't remember which forgotten son he speared, but it, it was, was Angelo yeah, Dawkins that yeah, speared him. He come up from underneath the ladder and speared him. It was it was great. Yeah, Montez Ford is that's athleticism on the level of of a ricochet uh, of a Neville. He's going to if you treat him right, he is going to be a huge star at the next level. I truly believe that. And to come back and be a part of the finish after that spot where he leaped over the yes. ladder and did you know a, a, a dive to the floor where Jackson Riker does not was, catch him. He was not he was it not in the vicinity. Does not catch. catch him at all. Like his foot clipped his shoulder. <laughs> So basically, uh, Montez Ford does a full front flip from the ring to the floor and just lands flat-backed on the floor. I would have just laid there for the next half an hour right? trying to catch my breath. This dude gets up, and he's a part of the finish. Yeah, the finish, the finish I thought was great. I, I, didn't, I did not see—I I wonder if it was, it, was, it was intentionally done that way because I, I didn't see the springboard— all I saw was him flying through the air I think and, I, yeah. and landing on the ladder. And then they went back. They had another angle of it. So it may, it may have been intentional. That, that's what we were all. That's the only thing we were supposed to see. I knew when Dawkins hit the spear, I knew that Ford had to be somewhere. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like a magic trick. Like he was there on the ladder. And I really didn't see where he came from. But that, uh, I mean, that was Kofi Kingston-esque. You know, yeah. that's some of the stuff we've seen Kofi do in, in Royal Rumbles and all that stuff. But... Yeah, that would to me that that match last night, the ladder match was, and not to say there weren't great, uh, good matches throughout the card, but that to me was my favorite match. That was definitely a chaos. It was my favorite match as well. We'll get into the rest of the card. We're talking Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze, the women's championship match, and the main event of the night. We have a new NXT champion. That's all next. This is Squared Circle Radio, one zero four five The Zone. Velveteen Dream. Welcome back in Squared Circle Radio right here on 104.5 The Zone. Follow the show on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. You can follow me. I'm Brandon Haggerty at Hag Haney. Follow David Reed at David Reed Radio. Jason Martin not here this weekend. He's out in California, but you can follow him on Twitter at jmartzone. Listen to his uh, triumphant return to the Big Six tomorrow at 6 right here on 104.5 The Zone. Coming back with Velveteen Dream who successfully defended his North American Championship last night against a returning to NXT, Prince Pretty Tyler Breeze. This was, to me anyways, the most anticipated match of this show. And I got to say, David, I thought it fell a little flat. I did too. I was expecting more out of it. Uh, I thought that this would be... Because those two guys have been compared to one another. Like, it was basically... Once Tyler left, Velveteen Dream came over and took over that same type of gimmick. So I expected more out of it, uh, the buildup, and I also expect, expected more out of the actual match itself. But I didn't. I mean, I wasn't thinking that that uh, the title was going to change hands necessarily. But I thought that this, I thought it was would get a lot of time to be highlight what both of those guys do well. And it was just, I mean, it was just an okay, it was just an okay match to me. And it, it's not, it didn't leave me going into it. I thought this could be a series of matches that I would mm-hmm. like to see between these two. And afterwards, I was just like, no, I'm, I'm kind of good with that being the, being the only one. I did think the build 
to the match was pretty good. Um, I remember two weeks ago when Tyler made his return on NXT television to interrupt a Velveteen Dream. That was a really good segment. Uh, the video package that they made for this night and played it before the match, I thought that was really good as well. Uh, Velveteen basically saying everything that you said. You know, the last time you got a standing ovation was when you left NXT. And I remember seeing fear in your eyes when you left NXT and you're the, just the great value version of the Velveteen dream, which is just, that's a, that's a tremendous line, just a tremendous line. Uh, I thought these two, these two guys were kind of on different wavelengths at time during this match. Like it didn't feel like they were in sync with each other. Like I know that's, that's kind of hard to, to explain, but it just something to me, at least for about the first half, maybe two-thirds of this match, it felt a little off. Like, I'm not trying to say this was a bad match by any means because it was still pretty good, but it just felt a little off. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like they have, for a similar, their gimmick is, their, their types of matches that they like to have. It's almost like, I, I felt like Tyler wasn't, good enough to feature a lot of what Velveteen Dream does well. He is a lot more athletic, and we see him do a lot of things with that athleticism since we he's made his ascension in NXT. I just kind of thought that the two styles were kind of clashing there for the majority of the first part of the match. Uh, but then in the the end, I, I'm assuming we're not going to see it again because we got the, the selfie in the ring after the match was over. I'm hoping that signifies that those those that match is over or the this 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 feud is over between those two but uh, what does that what does that leave for Tyler Breeze like what is the future for Tyler Breeze is he back in NXT full time is he bouncing back and forth like to me i think it may be best for him to stay down there oh yeah i think i think it is best for him to stay down there and triple h does a conference call uh the week of a takeover and he was asked about Tyler Breeze on his conference call this past week and he said that Tyler Breeze is considered NXT talent once again. So I'm taking that to mean that Tyler Breeze is going to be there for the foreseeable yeah. future. And, and let's be honest, like one of the reasons why this match might have been a little off and these two guys might have been on different wavelengths, like I said, Tyler Breeze might have some ring rust. I mean, when you're not getting used, right. like, I, and I'm not sure like how often he's being used on house shows. I can't imagine it's all that often. Like this guy has not been pretty much used at all. I mean, outside I see, of a couple of times on television since Fandango went down. Yeah, I see a lot of a lot of rundowns and results from house shows, and I can't remember ever seeing for the last six to eight months seeing Tyler Breeze on a rundown from a house show in Iowa or whatever. Like I, that could very well be the reason that they were they were not communicating very well because it's it's one of those things where. And you know this even in our industry. Industry, if if you take some time off from things, like it takes a while to get back in the swing of things. If you hadn't sat behind this microphone in a while, it takes a while for you to get back. Uh, that could, that's a good point. I, I didn't even think about that, but that could have been why we saw some of what we saw, especially early on in the match. You got to got to get back in there and put the time in to. But I, you know, there are probably other guys who could benefit from going down to NXT. Oh, there's too. a lot of guys. <laughs> There's a lot of guys. I mean, I mean, Lars Sullivan should still be down there. Um, well, Lars Sullivan hasn't even been on television the last few weeks. Like ever since that whole, like he did like a bit of a backstage segment, but like I don't remember seeing him on Raw or SmackDown. He the was last on, two he, or three weeks. He, um, 
was he on he was uh, was he on the raw after money in the bank might have been but i think it was just like a quick backstage thing where he didn't say anything yeah, well, Anyways, that, he's going to face the entire Lucha House Party at this show on yes. Friday that we're not going to watch. Yes. Uh, let's move on to Shayna, Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai. If the latter match was our favorite match, I think this might have actually been my second favorite match. Uh, Shayna Baszler retains. <laughs> let's be honest. That's just what Shayna Baszler is going to do at this point. Uh, she is the new Asuka. Like, she's just running through this NXT women's division. Uh maybe to the detriment of the women's division, and we'll get to that. But I thought in terms of like the formula of a Shayna Baszler match, we know how they're going to go. Like She's going to work a lot of holds early on. She's going to work limbs. She's going to dominate the early portion. Then her opponent's going to make a comeback, and then there's you know she's going to end up tapping out her opponent at the end. Like If we know going in that's what a Shayna Baszler match is going to look like, I thought this was one of the best Shayna Baszler matches. Yeah, and she's one of those that when you put her in there with someone who has a, a, a contrasting style, she seems to – it elevates her. You know, when you have someone in there who's flying around and, and using all the aerial tactics and using their speed and stuff, to me, she's really good at highlighting that contrast, and then you, you know at some point she's going to take back over, and there's going to be a submission hold that's, you know, in, in a close call there, but – those two, uh, I thought that was a really good match last night, and it's, uh, it's amazing to me that Shayna Baszler is better at being Ronda Rousey than Ronda Rousey was. Oh, I said, I said on Twitter last night, I said, if you think that her matches are formulaic, and I do a little bit, like you can at least acknowledge that she has the character portion of oh, yeah. professional wrestling nailed. Well, here's the, it, there's nothing wrong with with being formulaic as long as the formula works. Mm-hmm. And this formula works for her. It does work and for I her. And I think it's going to work if she ever gets the call up. But you said, you know, her rolling through that, that women's division in NXT may be to the detriment of everyone else. And I, I think you may be right. At what point do you have to find someone who's a legitimate challenger for her? Because you haven't built anyone that uh, that seems to be on her level in yeah, NXT. And it's not her fault. No, it's not. Because it just does, it, it seems like they're almost just building one challenger at a time. Yes. Like for a while it was Kyrie, and now Kyrie is, is up on the main roster. Or as Sam Roberts said over and over last night, Kyrie. Like he was trying to like put the, like the Japanese accent on it, which, God, get that guy off of television. Anyways, so that, now she's on SmackDown with Asuka, and so then Io Shirai steps into that role, and now you're building her as a challenger. But, like, meanwhile, you're not building the rest of your division. Like, Candice LeRae, at some point, is going to have to do something other than be a friend or a help, or a husband, or, sorry, wife. Like, I, I mean, that seems to be her only role since she got signed, and yeah. she is a very talented woman. Like, we I guess maybe her. Mia Yim is going to be the next after Io Shirai, but we've seen Shayna Baszler run through Mia Yim on yeah. NXT television. Like I just like there's nobody waiting in the wings. We're going to get one more takeover match, I assume, out of Io Shirai and and Shayna Baszler after the post match last night. But at that point, I'm not sure who who comes next. No, you're right. There's there's not there's not a lot. When well, what was the most? Wasn't Candice LeRae in? A battle royal at some point. Was she in the... Wasn't she in the Women's Royal Rumble? 
Yeah, but like that's that's the the only time that I can remember seeing her work <laughs> was in that in that battle royal whenever it was. Like you're right, she at some point she has to be more than Gargano's wife. Like you have her or there, Io Shirai's friend apparently. Yeah, like you have her there. Like why isn't she? Why isn't she working? Why aren't you trying to do the same with her as you do with, with Johnny Gargano? Like, why can't she be the female version of that and be the next person that's... Kick out of everything yes. for 35 yes. minutes? Yes, yes. You have to kill her. Uh, we'll get into that next. Let's go ahead and take a break right now. We'll get into... like if You have to drop a building on Johnny Gargano these days to actually beat him, and Adam Cole did that last night. We'll talk NXT's new World Heavyweight Champion next. This is Square Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Adam Cole, the best pro wrestler on the planet. And you're listening to the best wrestling talk anywhere. This is Squared Circle Radio on 104.5 The Zone. Thanks, Adam. Love that that exists. This is Squared Circle Radio on 104.5 The Zone. Appreciate that, champ. Alongside David Reed, I'm Brandon Haggany. Follow the show on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. Jason Martin with The Weekend Off. Having some fun out in uh, California. We'll get back with him next week. Uh, Adam Cole is your new NXT World Heavyweight Champion, uh, defeating the invincible Johnny Gargano last night at TakeOver 25 in Connecticut. Uh, This match probably didn't rise to the peaks of their match at TakeOver New York, the two out of three falls classic. Uh, I said on the show last week, I'm not real sure how you go from a two out of three falls match to just a straight up singles match. Like the two out of three falls right. match seems like that should be the blow. That's off. what you were building to. That's, that's what, what that's the match to. that you build to. Yeah. But these two guys, like I know we joke about Johnny Gargano on this show, uh, but these two guys put in another great effort. Um, and quite frankly, Adam Cole winning the title, I thought was the right call. I'm not super sure where we go with Gargano from here because we just watched him chase for mm-hmm. the better part of two years. Like, are we, as a fan base, are we tired of watching Gargano chase the NXT championship? And maybe you're not. Maybe you're ready to just put your seatbelt on and go for a ride again with Johnny Gargano. I'm not real sure I am. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence there. I can. Anytime he's in the ring, it's going to be a great match. You know that. But the the value in Gargano was him chasing. And I thought that when he finally got there, he would have a longer title run than what he's had. More than one defense? Yeah, I thought thought that's where we were going with that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be at least one more match between those two. He's going to get his shot to take the title back. But I mean, I'm kind of on the fence. You know, what, what the law of diminishing returns comes into play here at some point. Especially when uh, we joke about it, but the guy has proved to be indestructible over the course of the last three months or so. He's he comes out in his uh, superhero inspired gear. He might as well and come it out. Literally becomes the superhero. Yes, yes. He, he, Thanos is going to show up next. That because I mean, I don't you can't, even think he, Thanos. He'd kick out at two on yeah. Thanos. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I thought it was. I thought it was a really good match. I, I thought that's the way that it should have gone. I think it was time to put the title on Cole. Um, and I'm, I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with that. I mean, at some point, there's going to have to be another challenger not named Johnny Gargano, and I don't well, know who that is at this point. I thought you brought up a good point before we came on the air. 
you know, the, the whole story surrounding the Undisputed Era was going to be that 2019 was going to be their year. Mm-hmm. You know, Roddy's going to win the North American title. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are going to win the tag titles. Adam Cole's going to win the NXT championship. The only person who's actually accomplished that is Adam Cole. Yeah. And I don't know if that, if we come to a day where the Undisputed Era turns on Adam Cole or Adam Cole turns on the Undisputed Era. But I think there's a lot of material to mine there. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you can't get more than just one more match out of Cole versus Gargano, I think that might be the way you should do it. Yeah, and building up to this takeover, their thing was, you know, Undisputed Era is leaving with all the gold, and only one of them left there with a title. And um, I think at some point, and I don't know who it's going to be, if it's going to be the three of them against Adam Cole, or if there's going to be some kind of fracture among the 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 faction itself but i'm i'm kind of looking forward to it because i think if it's done right and you're trying to build adam cole as a baby face out of this i think he does his best work as a heel but the way the crowd is behind that guy Oof. and appreciates him i i think he could have a pretty good run as I mean, a baby have face. you ever have you ever heard a more over uh term or phrase or chant than adam cole baby no no yes maybe that's just the sheer magnitude of the crowd, yeah. but not not the enthusiasm and the all. The, I mean, fans of Adam Cole have bought into that guy, and okay. they they have for years before he ever ended up in the WWE. But yeah, that's that's something impressive. I I look forward to the day where we get to see that at a WrestleMania. I mean, when you're getting the crowd to go along with the words of your music, where you know you're on the apron and you do the thumb point, and everyone in the crowd goes boom, yeah, because that's that's the point at the, in the song where that happens. Like, man, that guy is over, over. Yep. I am. Then, I mean, he's got to be the most over guy in NXT history. You think? I can't think of a guy who who rivals the response that he gets from the crowd. Maybe Sammy. Yeah, I but it's yeah maybe. Sammy, I think may have done it for longer. Right, I, I don't know, but I think he kind of has the benefit of being one of the guys that built the brand. Yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, Adam Cole as NXT champion, I think was the way to go. Um, it does ask a, it does beg a lot of questions for where they go from here. Um, Gargano, man, I don't know. Like, I I don't expect him to be getting called up anytime soon. Yeah. I think that kind of, you know, once Champa went down with the neck injury, which it was really good to see Champa on the pre-show panel mm-hmm. uh last night and got a, a really good reaction from that Connecticut crowd, ended up jumping up on the pre-show table and uh you know, riling the crowd up. It was really good to see him and he didn't have the neck he didn't have a neck brace on. He looked good. I mean, I know he's still way out yeah. from from, you know, getting physical at all, but he still looked really good and it was good to see him last night. But like Gargano seems a little like lost to me right now. And it could be that NXT has a great idea for mm-hmm. him. We shouldn't be surprised at all if they if they do have a great idea for Gargano. It just seems like right now I'm not sure where he goes. Right. When uh, the 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 match where where Ciampa got hurt, the gear that Gargano came out in was a tribute to Dark Phoenix. And I thought that was going to be like uh, that was going to symbolize what was to come from him. I thought we were going to see Gargano go heel for a while, and thought that was the hint at it. But when Ciampa got hurt, I think all of that just kind of went out the window. And I think you kind of need to 
really plot out the way that you're going to handle him because I I don't see him as a guy on the main roster like really ever just because of his size. And well, it did seem like his future was as a part of a reformed DIY, right, on the main roster. Yeah, and and but I don't see him going up ever and having any. I'm not going to say success, but an opportunity as a, as a singles competitor on on the two main brands just because of his size. I, I use one of. The, it's not because of anything he can't do. Right. Exactly. It's it's Vince McMahon and his discriminatory attitude towards it's, people it's, of that it's, size. It's because of literally everyone that's been his size that have yes. come out of NXT over the last five years, yeah. the way that they've been handled on the main roster. And Gargano has said in the past, he does not mind. Like he actually kind of wants to stay in NXT. Like yeah. he feels like that's kind of, that's his Super Bowl is being NXT champion and, and, and main eventing these takeovers. And if he feels that way, like if I'm Triple H, I mean, there's there's many worse people that can be the face of your franchise right. than Johnny Gargano. And I, I think if it's if it's handled right and he gets his rematch and that unfolds however it unfolds with Adam Cole retaining or whatever, and we do see the undisputed era turn on him, I could you could sign me up for some some Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish versus Gargano and, and Adam Cole all day long. Or like a three on two if Bobby Fish is healthy. If if yes, like if. all of this work, all of this works, and it goes out of the window if Bobby Fish. I think is we look healthy. we look at we look at Bobby Fish and he looks he's in phenomenal shape, but we forget how old he is. He's he's, <laughs> he's a, pretty he's, old. He's, a lot of these in, in wrestling showing, terms. Yes, yes, yeah. Terms. A lot of these injuries he's showing his age. Yeah, he he showed up last night as we mentioned earlier in the show at the end of the night with a black uh, sling, a uh, shoulder in a sling. So hopefully that's not serious. And he doesn't have to miss a lot of time again. Uh, we'll break a little early here. Uh, outside of NXT TakeOver, pretty much the only topic that's been dominating professional wrestling this week, John Moxley spoke, not just on Talk, and, Talk is Jericho, but with Wade Keller and a bunch of other interviews. That guy let it all out. We'll get into it next. This is Square Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. June 2nd, 2014 on this day. Five years ago, David Reed. By the way, this is Squared Circle Radio on 104.5 The Zone. Alongside the aforementioned David Reed, I am Brandon Hagany. June 2nd, 2014. You know what that day is? No. It is the implosion of the shield uh, when Seth ah. Rollins turned on Dean That's Ambrose. Been five years. Five years. Oh Dean Ambrose gosh. and Roman Reigns. Five years ago today, that happened. And this week, Dean Ambrose, the former Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, as we know him now as, or might Moss. have imploded his relationship with WWE, his former employer. He went on Talk as Jericho on Wednesday, and that thing, probably the most anticipated shoot interview since CM Punk showed up on the Art of Wrestling podcast, although I don't think Dean Ambrose is going to get sued for this one. <laughs> Or John Moxley's going to get sued for this one. But my man went on Jericho's podcast on Wednesday and let it all out. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet. Uh, it's but, an hour and a half. But I've um, I've seen some of the major bits and pieces all over uh, social media and all over the internet this week. And look, I didn't expect anything less from him, to be honest with you. And I don't think he he didn't come across someone who was angry or bitter no, no. he just came across as someone who was just 
telling the truth and taking us behind the scenes of what that company's like right now. But I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to say never because Bret Hart's back with the WWE after all the things that transpired between he and Vince McMahon. But I don't think, I don't think we will see John Moxley ever in the WWE again until it's time to induct him into the Hall of Fame. And I'm not sure John Moxley wants to go back. Oh, I don't know. No, that, no, that was going to be my point. I don't think he does either because I, I, I think he's a guy who wants the creative freedom to do what he sees best for his character and his for his gimmick. And apparently, that was never the case after the Shield broke up. And he says on Jer on Jericho's podcast on a Wednesday that he did not think the WWE actually had any plans for him post Shield breakup. It was pretty much going to be Seth and Roman were the guys that were going to become stars out of that partnership. Uh, but he kind of got himself over a little bit. Like he, And one of the things that he says on Jericho's podcast is probably the worst thing that happened to him in his WWE career was, being a, was showing that he had even a little bit of comedic timing. Because then you become joke guy. And that's exactly what Dean Ambrose became in WWE. And it's, it's what stu stood out to me about this podcast was that every complaint that not only us as a show, but like everyone that tweets us on Mondays and Tuesdays, everyone, pretty much every fan of WWE knew that John Moxley, the former Dean Ambrose was better than what he was being given. And we, we complained about the joke characters and the hokey just BS that he was having to do from week to week. The interesting thing about this podcast was that he was feeling the exact same way every fan was about the Dean Ambrose character. Yeah, and we always said all along, um, when the Shield broke up, we were going to be concerned about what was going to be there for Seth Rollins because of the three, we knew that Roman had the look. You know, he had the look, he had the size, he was marketable. Dean Ambrose, great in the ring. He could be that lunatic guy. But what was going to be left for Seth Rollins? And come to find out what once, was left What was left for Dean after the Shield was, yeah, the fact that he was the victim of his own success, really, showing that he was able to pull some of that stuff off, kind of get him pigeonholed and, and being that. We wanted him to be more Terry Funk, and they wanted to be more Santino Morello, you know? That was the problem with his singles run in the WWE. And I, I hope he's pushed to the moon in AEW, and I hope that there's a lot of people over there who will reevaluate the way they handle talent based on the way that Dean Ambrose was handled in the WWE as opposed to the way he'll be handled in AEW. Another thing that was kind of illuminating to me was he was talking about what he thought, like his vision for the character of Dean Ambrose. He described it as 90% John McClain from Die Hard. That's, that was verbatim what he said on this, on that show. He said 90% John McClain from Die Hard and 10% some of the other guys who had 10% John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> falling asleep on air. 10%, 10% of the time he would fall asleep on air. Uh, the other 10% was like guys who had inspired him to become a professional wrestler. He name-dropped Terry Funk. He name-dropped Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. But he, basically, he wanted to be the guy that would walk through broken glass barefoot and might have a quip from time to time, might have just a, a, a clever one-liner. But those one-liners became his entire character. Yeah. And it just 
how he describes the creative process of WWE just sounds maddening to me. I don't see how anybody gets over in this company. And you can go out there and get over yourself because if you do that, we've seen the company no, they said, don't like that at all. He actually said in an, in an interview he did with Wade Keller of PW Torch, which I would, if you haven't listened to that, that might even go into more detail than what Jericho's did because Jericho sort of just laid back and let him kind let of him roll. let him roll. Wade Keller asked follow ups. Um, one of the things he told Wade Keller was he went off script. I think he might have said it was in Atlanta, some show in Atlanta. He went off script and he spent the rest of the night hiding from Vince because Vince was trying to find him in the locker room. <laughs> That's a great story to me. I just <laughs> I just picture him going around and and hiding in like the steam room where he used to see mankind do all his promos and stuff, the stairwell and all that stuff. Uh, I thought there were times too, and we heard reports later on when he was actually got time on television to do things. They wanted him to do go further than he did. Like they had stuff lined out for him and he went out there and did like half of it and just left. Yeah. He, he talks about the heel run that he had at the very end where after Roman, uh, leaves for the leukemia treatment. Um, there's a line. I, I saw the line. I actually went back and found it earlier this week where he talks about, you know, the shield being a bad thing and all of us are going to have to answer for what we did during, during our time in the shield. I mean, look at Roman. He's going to have to answer to the man upstairs or something like something to that effect, basically saying that, because of the things we did in the shield, Roman now Roman has hate, cancer. Yeah. And apparently there was a line that was even worse than that. The Vince wanted Dean or, or Mox to say, and he wouldn't even say it on the Jericho podcast. Yeah. He said, I'll tell you off air, but I'm not going to say it on air. We would have lost sponsors if I said this line on television. Like I, I, can't, I, even I can't even imagine what, what that what line is. is. That's why I want to hear it because I can't imagine of the things that's happened over the, over the through the attitude era things that happen and and he thinks that this is so bad that they would lose sponsors over it I kind of want to know what it is just because I want to add that to to my case against WWE creative and he also revealed that when they had the the brief reunion run that he was paid $500 yeah the, for his well, appearance on the pay-per-view well, no, it was the uh, the the Shield's last ride, that WWE Network special that they oh, okay. did uh, on a Sunday. It was basically basically they aired a house show, yeah, is what it was. But it was Dean Ambrose's last match as a member of the Shield. He's right that they built this entire thing around Dean Ambrose, like it was the Shield's last ride because Dean Ambrose was leaving and he was paid five hundred bucks, which is what an extra, like what a member of the conga line of No Way Jose would get. Right. For appearing on an episode of Raw. Dean Ambrose got that for his last night. I gotta get in that Congo line for five hundred bucks though. It's nice. <laughs> I'll Ron Strowman made a made a career out of being a rosebud for yeah, a while. Yeah, he did. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's out there. You need to go listen to it. It just it just reinforces and underscores everything that we thought's been wrong with WWE creative and coming on the heels of the the uh expose from the from the writer's friend a couple weeks ago. Uh you, you kind of put those two together and you realize that backstage kind of seems like a very toxic environment in the WWE right now. That's why I'm hoping AEW has the success that we want it to. I think it's all, we we know they, they can go out there and put on great one-off shows, right? 
Now we need to see how they handle television and how they handle a week, oh, yeah. weekly episodic wrestling in that company. Another thing that just drove me nuts about what uh, Amb- the former Ambrose had to say on Talk is Jericho. It's going to take us forever. To yeah, it's, I'm going to yeah, Right, yeah. I've been saying it's Dean Ambrose for Mox. like eight years now. Varsity Blues. Um, Mox? <laughs> the idea that he was, he was talking about sort of trying to rewrite a script with a writer and kind of like get it in before Vince could see another line yeah, yeah. because Vince was going to fall in love with that line. And he's he's telling Jericho, one of the things, I think they were in L.A. and he was talking about, I wouldn't come out here without a gas mask or something like that. And he was like, that's the thing. Vince tends to see, turn nouns into props because after that line that I would not come out here without a gas mask, Vince wanted him in a gas mask yeah. after that. And it's just like, Good Lord, man. I don't I I don't know, man. And he he said he had a good relationship with Vince, but he pretty much laid everything out at the feet of Vince McMahon. He said mm-hmm. pretty much point blank, he is the problem with that company. Yeah. And I mean, and we kind of known that in what we saw a couple of weeks ago when those writers came out and were going off the record on stuff. That's kind of the one man that's he is he is the anchor, and I don't use anchor in a good way here. Uh, I use it as anchored in the in the way that you're stuck with what you are because of Vince McMahon. And I just don't know, I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, with John Moxley and AEW. But I'm just I'm hoping that 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 he he pushes the boundaries and we see what he's capable of, and it makes someone in that organization stand up and say, "Hey, look." Look at what he's doing. We missed out on all of that. We need to address some things and change some things here. I mean, Vince McMahon is not going to go away anytime soon. Like one of the things no. that Moxley told Wade Keller was, if this guy works until 90, Triple H isn't taken over until he's 70. And then at that point, Triple H is a creative prime as passed. Yes. Our airtime has passed. Coming up next right here on 104.5 The Zone, it is Big Orange Sunday. Have a good one.